0: there was going to be a part two holiday edition. Um, it turns out the holiday I was actually talking about was the zone in between Valentine's Day and St. Patrick's Day. Uh, sorry about the delay, but uh, today I just want to quickly go over uh, Blue Jay Classic. Um, briefly just um, mention, I believe it was uh, Chandra Classic Diamond Cup, and then kind of get into Cavalier Cup. Uh, and then hopefully next episode I'll be able to get into some of the regionals that's been happening this spring, and hopefully in the future, possibly, potentially. uh, I have some potential guests lined up, so maybe I'll have some friends joining me too uh, to talk about those regionals. But nevertheless, let me dive into today. I guess I'll start off with the tournament that most people probably care the most about, the Blue Jay Classic featuring, I believe, Creighton, uh, their B team, Blue Jay, uh, the University of Kansas, and the number one team in the country, University of Texas, Austin. So a classic matchup between number two and number one, uh, being Creighton as number two and UT Austin as number one. Now, uh, this game or this series, I should say, this tournament, uh, everyone was or most people were really, really excited for uh, being that, you know, you have the star studded Austin lineup filled with players who are fresh off of uh, an MLQ finals appearance for some of them, even their second MLQ finals appearance going up against uh, this juggernaut in the North who's been knocking out every single team in their path. Um, and unfortunately the, Day before the tournament was supposed to commence, I believe. Uh, we found out that Creighton star player Darian Mercek Ellis, uh, actually injured himself, which was, uh, quite a tragedy. I believe it was something with the ankle. Um. So, throughout the entire tournament, uh, I was kind of forced to watch it with a grain of salt because normally, you know, I don't to let these um kind of have that much influence overall the game. There are a handful of different game games in Awkward right now, and I think Darren will be set at the top of the list. Uh, and I have you know, a little bit of influence uh, with the blood drain in hands rather than the quaffle, but Darren is a special, special talent. And I say that because the entire time I was watching, uh, you know, all the UT Creighton games at this tournament – it was just obvious that there was an a massive Darien size hole in this Creighton team in terms of what they needed in order to beat UT Austin. Now, this isn't to knock UT Austin at all, right? Uh they're the number one team in the country for a reason. They have incredible talents at almost every single position, uh, maybe except Seeking. Like I think that Creighton would probably have the edge on Seeking over UT Austin. But outside of that, um there's you know not much to bash u t in um so I guess i'll just dive right into it uh when I was watching these games, the two games I think they played only twice um it was clear that uh to begin with or, you know mostly all of the two games u t was just dominating in the beater game um we know about Jack Wang, but y'all. My certified dog award this week, this podcast, it might just have to go to that bad kid down there, Kaiser posing. Oh, Kaiser knows how to beat. When I tell you Kaiser was catching every single bleed attempt that came their way, oh, my goodness, Kaiser, he is a dog. He is a certified DAWG oh, my goodness, one day I just want to be able to play as good as Kaiser. Jesus, he was so good. Um, But, yeah, so that duo of Kaiser and Jack is just very, very hard to keep up with. Now, I will say this. I thought that um, overall Crane's beaters looked like they had a chance in the game because of how aggressive Jack was playing. Um, Obviously, you know, he's an incredibly athletic talent, but I feel like a lot of times he, he was making decisions that kind of Put his team in a worse position and let crane the beaters, just match your, match UT's athleticism. Right, um, it wasn't really a game of smart decisions and 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 incredibly thought out beater battles. It just seemed more of like a uh, athleticism show off contest, in my personal opinion. Um, that being said, I really like the the teamwork um, that the Creighton beater showed. The Creighton beater showed um just because they seem to be incredibly ambitious but also seem to somehow keep up with UT you know in a sense right uh now where i think Crayon did end up falling behind because they did lose both games um i i think they fell behind in their, dynam- in their dynamism Ooh words i tell you <laughs> and their offensive aggression right so uh like i said at the top of this uh there was a clear daring size hole in their team every time the ball went to one of their you know main playmakers like for example y'all know i love joe Gullet. it looked like joe was just constantly looking for someone to make that dynamic cut towards the the hoops or uh to kind of you know make that pass to when he was getting pressured um, You know, and, and all the rest of the the, the hit ball handlers as well, I thought they were pretty solid. It's just, I, I wasn't seeing that oomph, that that, that killer instinct in the three-yard zone around the hoops that you need in order to beat a team like UT. Uh, That killer instinct, that is, uh, that Darian is so well known for. I, I just thought that there wasn't really a name on the team that could step up and kind of fill that hole that he left. Um, now when it came to the chasing for UT, I thought where they differed was that they were incredible all around, um, in that starting line, right? Uh, I love, uh, Caroline's Tao's defense. I think she's sensational, arguably one of, if not, um, the best point defenders in the, ch- in the country, right? She just, she is, she's incredible at forcing the opposition into help into her beaters, into, you know, all these different um, aspects of their team defense. And then, of course, you know, J.J., Josh Johnson um, is arguably one of the best drivers, not only in college, but in the country. Uh, The thing that I have to harp on, though, is UT has, aside from Maryland, probably the biggest lack of depth uh, out of all the top countries in the team, right? Uh I think that as soon as, you know, you sub out that first four Quaffle line players, uh, the team drastically shifts in appearance. And I mean you could tell that's when Creighton really started to come back in the game in game one. It's as soon as that second line came in. And of course, you know, UT made that adjustment game two. Uh they were playing half their starters uh in either line so that there was never really such a big drop off but Man oh man, I don't know if they're gonna be able to keep that up at nationals. Um I will I do I do wanna say though, uh talking about versatility and, and players who really, really are quite impressive, uh Casey Beavers was arguably the smartest beater on the pitch. Um whenever she was beating. And and I really think that that's when U T was able to take control of the game. Uh just because, you know, like I said before, with that duo of Jack and, and Kaiser's really entertaining and really fun to watch, but they're, you know, giving up a lot of opportunities or allowing, you know, creating chances for getting back into the game where once Casey came in, it just, there was a completely different vibe uh, to those games. But nevertheless, UT was clinical in pretty much every aspect of the game. and You can't really fault them for that, right? And, you know, even in game two, uh, it was nice to see both teams making some adjustments. Um, even though you know UT had a slow start, which also, huh, if so, arguably the best two players in the country right now in college are are Darian and JJ, right? In terms of the quaffle play, um, like excluding beaters, of course, because it's it's hard to compare uh head to head beater and and player, but JJ and and Darian are probably you know the two. Youngest players primed for making a push at, you know, the national team. They're probably the, the two biggest names that, you know, draw the most attention. Personally, I think that it's it's really interesting seeing the way in which uh, these players rely on certain aspects of their games, right? Like, JJ had a really slow start to game two. Um, because a lot of his shots weren't hitting. Um, and I think that kind of just illuminated uh, his lack of playmaking, right? Uh, I, I think that it's not to say that he can't. It's to say that he doesn't do it as effectively as a lot of other players I see. Um, that being said, like I said, you know, this guy, JJ is one of the top drivers in the country, like club or college. Like that is not to take anything away from him you know, he would probably walk on to 99% of club teams at this point. Nevertheless, the college team that he's playing for right now. But, like, when I when I look at Darian, I mean, I, I see a lot of similarities. He's not, like, the, the level of – he's not at the level of driving that JJ's at. Um, and I think that he has, you know, better passes surrounding him on his team. Um, but I feel like Darian's game is just more dynamic in my opinion. Uh, I mean, who's to say? I don't know what I'm talking about, right? But when I watch Damian play, there's just like a level of, of versatility that I just don't get that feeling with JJ. Um, and, you know, if it works, it works. And UT won this game, so who am I to knock on, on his, his play style? But just to single out the two best players in college right now, it would have been really, really nice to see them go head-to-head uh because one how often do you get that in college quidditch uh, outside of nationals and two it just seemed like this game was begging for a superstar matchup and uh due to injury unfortunately we weren't able to see it uh but that being said i thought that game 2 showed a lot like a way better improved uh game plan from the crane beaters you know, creating with like so many more transitions, and that's Darian's bread and butter. You know, which is why it hurt even more to see. I think they had like three or four goals stopped in transition. Creighton did, um, which is uh, a huge gap. Being that the game, I believe, it only ended you know outside of the snitch catch within thirty to forty points. Game two, if I'm not mistaken, I could uh actually double check that. I should probably start putting down. Uh, scores in my uh in my notes here, but nevertheless, it just seemed like i don't know it it's so tough to watch a team that's so built around transition offense not be able to convert time and time again um but nevertheless u t really really showed off that they are uh as of right now the best team in the country um and if you can't get budget control from this team, um, I don't think you have much of a chance of beating them, um, and that goes for every single team in the country. So, uh, looking towards April and towards Salt Lake City, uh, I'm really excited to see this matchup again. Hopefully, we do see it again. Uh, but you know, next time, Creighton will have Darian, as well as I'm hearing some rumors, um, that a couple of Star Blue Jay qu- or players are going to get called up to the main Crayon roster as well. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, after both of these teams have had a chance to see each other, game plan, things like that, how they're going to play again in Salt Lake in April. Now, moving on very, very quickly, I want to just briefly touch on Chandra Classic. I'm going to talk about the West teams a little more when we cover the West Regional. Uh, but, man, I watching this tournament was tough. Because, well, first of all, there was a lot of missing players for Cal who were the highest-ranked West team in the eighth-man rankings. Uh, A lot of star players, and they were missing their best player and their best beater. Um, But just watching these UCLA teams come up the pitch, make one pass behind the hoop, shoot, go back on defense, come up the pitch, make one pass behind the hoop, shoot, it was just like a repetitive cycle that i i just i just i couldn't get through it was like watching a washing machine or watching the clothes in the washing machine go around and around and around or a dryer whatever you could see it, it 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 was just it was so monotonous and so repetitive i just this is this is an open letter to western Quidditch and I mean it definitely improved a lot in in the regional and I'll definitely cover that when I get to the regional but please for the love of everything that is good please find a way to get some dynamism in your game like it is so easy just to literally watch Blue Jay Classic like literally just watch Blue Jay Classic watch any club game watch any game ever that has happened in the last two or three years with top level talent and just like I don't know Find a new move other than just one pass behind the hoop and stopping or and like trying to score from that because I can personally guarantee you that is not going to fly at nationals. Uh, as soon as you play any team from any other region, um, I mean maybe I should say any other of the top teams from any other region. It, it's it's just not going to work. You know this is something that we've seen. Uh, phase out of the game a little more in in the northeast, or southwest, even the Midwest, but it remains to be seen for the West. So that's my little rant about the West. Um, please get better. I mean, they do. It the regionals are really entertaining. We'll we'll talk about that at, in another pod as well. But uh, also really briefly want to touch upon Diamond Cup. Um, I know that that was the one that Saint or uh, Texas State hosted ah uh, yikes uh, that Texas state team uh what a showing they had at um Diamond cup and regionals combined that was uh i I'm really hoping that uh this team could recover, but from what I've seen recently, these results are not uh everything I'd like to see from a team that I was so high on at the start of the year. Um, that being said, you know, I still have a lot of faith in them. They have an incredible beater in Cameron and uh, a really strong leadership, a great team. But it looks like they're not able to keep up with the Sam Houston States, the UTSAs, and I'm not even going to mention, you know, UTs of the Southwest. Um. Overall, though, I will say that uh, from the clubs, I really did enjoy watching uh, Diamond Cup. Uh, Sam Houston State, of course, uh, they showed me a little bit at Breakfast Taco, and I was kind of excited. uh, But I haven't – I didn't really see too much from them at uh, Diamond Cup. Sorry, I'm starting to (laughs) lose track of the tournament. Uh, But uh, I still think that they have some potential. You know, I'm a big fan of Hayden Hayden Boys, and I I think that that team – can you know show me a little some more. I well a matter of fact it did show me more at South Southwest Regional, but again we're gonna cover the regionals in another pod. Uh but overall Diamond Cup, I thought it was interesting uh for Sam St. Houston State, but the real stars of the tournament were UTSA. Um I, I'd like to take a moment just to formally apologize to UTSA for um, leaving or, or not considering them as big of a de- as they were at Breakfast Taco, despite only losing like one major piece, Dan Williams. I thought there was going to be much more of a drop-off with the with the loss of Dan Williams than there was. But UTSA, in my opinion, is still clearly the second best team in the Southwest. Clearly. Um, if they had a little bit better beating, I would say they could still rival UT. Uh but I just think the combo of, of Kaiser Posen and Jack Wang is just and Casey Beavers is way too much for UTSA as it stands. But nevertheless, uh I really, really love uh the quaffle line of UTSA. I think that UTSA has uh the second or third sorry best quaffle line in the country behind UT and Creighton. Um and it's not even close. Uh someone might say, What about Maryland? Uh, and those people are either not watching the same Quidditch as me or biased because um this UTSA squad is built different. We got Jay Stewart, absolute dog, certified dog. Kaiser Posen and Jay Stewart are my two dogs of the week because Jay Stewart is really built different. Not only is he probably the nicest seeker in college, probably, but Jay Stewart is also just like, John Morant-esque first step, the meanest juke in the Southwest. Like, I don't think – it's hard for me to say, but I don't think that if, if – if this team had some had some serious, serious elite beaters, it's really hard for me to see anyone keeping up with them. Because not only Jay, but you also have Blackwood on that team. And, and the one guy who wasn't even on that semifinal MLQ sold out team. Uh, Christian Cortez, who, ooh, We Mama. Also, he can seek two. He can seek two. So they have two. I, I want to say two top five college seekers. They have uh, a top three qualifying line in the country. Um, honestly, in, in our second uh edition of uh the eighth man rankings, I personally had this team fourth in the country, because I I mean I really like UMD's beating and and T J. Generate is is you know a difference maker and. Um, I think that their team still has a little bit of an edge, but, well, honestly, that was before I saw Cavalier Cup. But, UTSA is a real problem. The three of those uh Quaffle players, Jay, between Stewart, Blackwood, and Cortez, just also Cortez is a really good defender too. Let me add. Uh, but between the those three, I think they are a real problem, and I'm really excited. To see them go up against, you know, the UMDs, the Tufts, the the other top teams out of the other regions as well at Nationals in April. Now, uh, now that I've covered those three tournaments from last fall, um, I kind of just want to briefly hit one of these spring tournaments. uh, One that I had a lot of fun watching. Cavalier Cup. Uh, Shout out to UVA. Congrats on winning Cavalier Cup, beating UMD. Uh, also, shout out to, I believe it's the Appalachian something conference. I'm sorry for messing that up, but it's nice to see, you know, uh, the work Colin Bourne is putting in. It's, uh, you know, really coming to fruition and just the development of different conferences across the country is, I, I just think, really important. So I just want to give them their shout outs before I, I dive too much into it. But Man, oh, man, uh, where do I start? So let's start with the winners, UVA, and that final against UMD. So I guess the common sentiment is that, oh, UMD didn't have a lot of their players, and they're missing you know this person and that person, yada, yada, yada. So I don't know if y'all remember, but I was talking about UMD back when we did the Mid-Atlantic Regional, when I covered the Mid-Atlantic Regional. And my main thing with UMD, I always said this is a good team, but where's the depth? And so when it comes to the point where you know their depth is causing them games, why are we not like this? Is all I'm saying is the one knock the team had is that they didn't have enough players. So when not enough players show up and the team doesn't produce, why are we acting surprised? Um, I mean, if you are acting surprised. I don't think many or too many people were surprised that they were going to struggle without, you know, having four of the eight players that they pretty much had to, available in that qualifold game. Um, nevertheless, I still think, you know, Heather Farn is really good. Um, and like I said, TJ Jenner, it's a difference maker. But I just, I'm losing, I'm losing more and more faith in UMD by the day. Um, I just, previously they were my third best team in the country. I They might be barely top five right now. I mean, pushing maybe six, seven, because if a team's weakness is depth in a one-day tournament in their hometown, or not their hometown in their home region who's to say that their depth is just gonna magically fix itself across the country over a two day tournament right and and it's I was under the impression that eighth-man rankings um are are kind of supposed to help us get an insight to how teams would perform at nationals correct that's it's, it's our, our it's our current standing of you know Inter-region play aside, like, what team, you know, pound for pound is the best. And I don't know if I can put UMD up there with the UTs, with the with the Creightons, hell, even with the UTSAs, because this team is just not going to be able to keep up if they don't find some depth. Um, and that's not a knock on their talent. Their, their quality as a team, they're a very good team. But like I said before, it's just I'm not seeing it. I, I don't see an answer to when Heather plays, you know, 25, almost 30 minutes a game. In those five minutes, whenever I've seen UMD play in like a major game, a semifinal, a final, and the five or 10 minutes that Heather comes off the pitch and, and they go with a 2 male beater set, the game starts to slip out of their hands every single time. What happens if she gets injured? I, I, I'd i be terrified of the, of the thought of that happening. Now, knock on wood, that never happens. Um and we get to see her continue to play, but I don't I don't know, man. I really don't like when TJ goes into the beater game because I think that he's incredibly athletic, but like he's way too aggressive, similar to Jack Wayne. But Jack Wayne like uh, has been doing this for quite some time. I TJ is just not learning how to beat. I I'm really not a fan of how sloppy they are in the clawfoot game. I just I don't know. And also, the big thing for me is they weren't able to stop, I want to say UVA, but it was really just one player at all. And that was Chet Kleppen. Ladies and gentlemen, and, and everyone in between, remember the name Chet Kleppen. Chet Kleppen is a bona fide superstar. Oh my goodness. Please go and watch our Cavalier Cup film. There was not a single person at this entire tournament who could consistently stop Chet Kleppen. Um, and you know, of course, we know. I believe he's the brother of Carly Kleppen, another great UVA talent. But come regional time, I d- if y'all see UVA in the Final Four, Elite Eight, something like that, well, don't be surprised. Do not be surprised at all because they have all the makings of a really, really good team. They have that star, um, player, check Kleppen, who can score the goals, and on top of that, they have two sensational. Sensational beaters and Rollins and um, Weedman, yes, uh, Rollins and Weedman. Uh, but I, I think the duo of, uh, of Rollins and Weedman in at the same time is probably one of the most dangerous beater duos in collegiate quidditch right now. Like, I can't think of many that I'd rather have over those two girls beating for my team. Um, not only because they're so incredibly smart, efficient, and just control space spacing so well, but also for the added physicality that gives, uh, to you know supplement the fact that, uh, look, I mean, I love Chet, but Chet's kind of built like a string bean, right? Like I, I feel like uh, he could probably run over me, but there's not many two people on on UT or Crane that Chet's gonna be able to run over. Um, so uh, the fact that you're able to not add. Uh, other you know players outside around Chet um, that can give you some physicality that you don't necessarily need in the beater game because Rollins and Wiedemann are are just holding it down, like holding it down. I haven't seen a single beater in the Mid Atlantic outside of possibly, possibly, have Farnan in that could even challenge those two, right? Um, they are an incredible duo, and I really, really, really can't wait to see them go up against some other duos in the country, but man oh man this UVA team is a force to be reckoned with and what's even scarier is that the amount of youth they have on their team like you could tell in some of the earlier games in the tournament especially against like Rutgers um for example I'll get into that Rutgers game as well but they just it it was it was it it was kind of sloppy to start and you could see them really coming into their own and finding their shape and I thought that was really admirable so I'm really, really excited. I'm really high on this UVA team. Um, and I said I was going to briefly touch on that uh, Rutgers-UVA game because, you know, y'all know I love Rutgers, one of my favorite teams in the country. Um, and honestly, I thought they probably should have won this game too, right? Like, it was a close game all throughout. They were going pretty much goal for goal throughout the entire game. Uh, they caught the snitch. Uh, so... And, and and of course, you know, the N twins are, are bona fide stars, really holding their own, not only in the beater game, but in the, the chaser in the coffee game as well. Uh but it's the same problem time and time and time again for this team. Uh you just fumble the bag in the last second. It, probably if there was like I wish we had advanced analytics so we could track how teams do in like the last four or five minutes of a game, because you would have to think that Rutgers has to be one of the worst post-catch teams in the country. Like the way that they blew the lead against Boston at Oktoberfest, they were blowing leads at NERC. And now again, they blew the chance to be in the final in the Cavalier Cup, probably would have won against a beat team. Like this Rutgers team, they're so hard to want to get behind because they do so well every game. They do everything so perfectly. They execute their game plan, and then at the end of the game, it crumbles. And it's, it's becoming a pattern now, and it's really, really scary. So hopefully at Nationals, we can see a little bit of a shift. But overall, between UMD, uh, UVA, and Rutgers, those are three great teams at this tournament. Um, hopefully, we'll see all of them ball out at uh, Nationals come this April. And I'm really excited to see uh, what these three can do uh, because, you know, of all the names I mentioned and because I really think that they can keep up with the, you know, UTSC's, the, uh, I guess, even Crane's of the world as well. Now, I wanted to keep this one kind of short, so I'm about to sign off, but uh, right before I end, I wanted to just kind of really quick go over my kind of ideas for nationals. I still think that my pick for Natty Champ is going to be Creighton, but that's mainly for the same reasons that I listed out earlier and in previous podcasts, right? So I uh, I think that the lack of Darien really, really hurt Uh, Creighton at Blue Jay and I think that the story would have been the narrative would have been completely different if Darren was playing Uh, too. I just can't ignore the fact that uh, I think Creighton um, well I thought that Creighton was going to be doing a lot more traveling for different regionals and things like that so uh, it was kind of disappointing to see that uh, they weren't going to get all the experience that I thought they were going to but I just don't like the depth of UT, meanwhile, I feel like Creighton is probably, if not, not even probably. I'm just going to say they are the deepest team in college right now. So primarily for those two reasons, I'm still taking them over UT. Um, but I would say a team to have an upset alert, UMD. Uh, please, please, please don't take this as me bashing UMD. I think UMD is a really good team. I think quality-wise, talent-wise, they're the third best team in the country. But if you only have, you can't pull up to a two day tournament with less than 12, 13 players and expect to get to a final four, even the final game. It's just not gonna happen. I'm sorry, I hate to break it to you. Um, And if I'm wrong, you know, shout out to UMD for proving me wrong. Um, I hope they do prove me wrong because it would show an immense amount of resilience and durability um, on their side. and, and, And that would be one of the greatest stories um in college quidditch outside of maybe you know u of r winning or something like that but um and then to end things off i just wanted to do my midseason uh like starting seven right so uh a keeper three chasers two beaters and a seeker so starting off uh i guess i'll start off with my seekers because you know i'm a sucker for seeker uh I think that I already alluded to this, but I'm just gonna go based off talent primarily Jay Stewart. Now I know uh they haven't had too many chances to uh play that many games, but just based off of his performance at MLQ, in addition to what they've seen so far this season, I'm just gonna go Jay Stewart for Seeker. Um and then for my beaters, uh I'm gonna go Kaiser Posen and um straight out of mm, see now this was hard for me because the person I I have written down for my second beater to get paired with Kaiser is Heather Farnan but I really like Weedman and I really like Brooke Smiley you know what I'm changing it up I'm going Kaiser and Brooke Smiley that's my two because I think Brooke Smiley is just built different I I don't know I, I really like her um, maybe she doesn't keep up with the rest of the teams around the country when it comes to nationals. But just from what I've seen her do against like a competition that she's, you know, her body of work so far is is all she can control, right? And from what she's has had the opportunity to show, she's gone above and beyond. So I think her, you know, intelligence in the beta game and, and positioning and 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 IQ and just the fact that she can do pretty much anything and everything. I really like that that aspect combined with the fact that it's really hard to beat Kaiser, right? Kaiser just catches everything. He can beat out anyone. Um, I know previously I've said that there was like a trifecta of beaters in the Southwest. Kaiser, I think, might have surpassed that trifecta at Blue Jay Classic. Um, he already was, you know, just balling out all season long, all fall long. But Blue Jay really, I think, set Kaiser apart from the cream of the crop. Um, so I think my teamless season so far, my beta pair is going to be Kaiser and Brooke Smiley. Um, and then when it comes to my keeper, of course, it's going to have to be JJ. You know, he's the starting keeper, best keeper in the country for the best team in the country. Um, I mean, there's not too much left to say about that. I guess something, or, and then for the three, or how many chasers I have, one, two, three. So my chasers would all be, one, I would have to put in Darian, of course, because like I said, he's a difference maker. Uh, and Darian, you know, if he was at Blue Jay Classic, I'm under the impression that it would have been in a completely different story. Um, now for my other two chasers, Uh, I would love, I would love to go. This is, this is going to be a little bit controversial. Um, just a tad bit. Well, maybe a little more than a tad bit, but I have been absolutely obsessed with Manny, uh, Nemanie. I'm sorry if I messed that up, but who plays on Blue Jay Quidditch. Um, Maddie is a dog. Like if y'all are not watching Blue Jay Quidditch what are y'all doing? Come on. I've already tried to gas them up and up. Um, Maddie can play keeper too, but uh, I believe she's just, you know, just balling up all over the field, you know, all over the pitch. Certified dogs only in this squad, right? Uh, and then from my last pick uh, for Chaser, I wanted to I, – I really was trying to get a lot of regional diversity in this team, right? Uh, Because this is supposed to be a team that represents the best players at the midpoint of the season. So primarily it's going to be all the Eastern and, and Midwest teams and things like that. So unfortunately, I wasn't able to fit any West Coast players in this list since, you know, there wasn't a lot of games and things like that. But man, I was really struggling to think about this one. I was thinking about all the teams in the South, I was thinking about, you know, all the Southwest teams. There's not too much uh to be left there to be desired. I was thinking about all the Northeast teams, there's some improvements to be made, but after thinking long and hard, I feel like it, it would be criminal of me to leave off Caroline Tao as a final chaser in my mid season seven, right? So I just like I said at the top of the show, Caroline is probably one of, if not the best point chasers in the country. She's probably the second or She's one of the best playmakers on that team. Um, I don't, I honestly don't know where that team would be without, like, the likes of Casey and, and Caroline. But um, between the two, I'm just going to give the edge to Caroline this year just because I've really, really been impressed with how she's been playing both offensively and defensively. And I'm a big Kawhi fan, so, you know, two-way players, they always have a spot in my heart. Um, but just so we can recap, I know I switched it up a little bit mid-show, <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, seeker, I'm going to go Jay Stewart. Beaters, I'm going Kaiser Posen, Brooke Smiley. Uh, keeper, I'm going Josh Johnson, JJ. And then Chasers, I'm going Darian Mercek, ellis Caroline Tao, and Maddie Neman. So if you don't agree with me, if you think that I'm foolish, if you think that I'm a clown or something like that, if you think that someone else deserves to be in the team, um, let me know, you know. Uh, I'll probably be posting this. To the Facebook uh, and AQE American Quidditch discussion or you know uh, if you find this podcast somewhere else reach out to me on social media or something like that but hey all opinions are welcome you know just remember and if you think someone deserves to be in this mid-season seven that means you gotta bounce someone out of it so don't come at me with suggestions of people who should have made the cut without telling me who they should replace all right like Just like the All Star game, you know? Everyone says, oh, that's a snob, there's a snob, he's a snob, she's a snob, but who would they replace me? So let me know. I'd really be interested to hear. I I love this discussion. But that being said, I have nothing else for you right now. Hopefully, uh, I'll be able to figure out the logistics on getting all these different people on it, getting some guests for my next pod. Uh, And hopefully, it shouldn't take as long as it took to release this one. But uh, next time I should be talking about some of the regionals that have been happening this spring and we'll you know start talking to maybe possibly even about some club as well in future episodes uh, but that's all for me thank you so much to our producer Ian Skura for making this show possible and thank you to y'all for listening for continuing to support where would I be without you guys so thank you and I will see you next time